0: Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara.
1: Having a good idea doesn't get you And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously.
0: Scholarship should cultivate the virtues. Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world? Hi everyone, and welcome to the Voices of Santa Clara podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Cosgrave, and today I'm talking with Jeannie Rosenberger, who is the Vice Provost for Student Life at Santa Clara. She oversees a large staff that touches many aspects of the student experience, including uh, Cowell Health Center, the Career Center. Residence Life and the RLC program, Student Involvement, Campus Recreation, the Office for Multicultural Learning, the Office of Disabilities Resources, and Benson Memorial Center. Rosenberger has been at Santa Clara since 1991, and we get into a few of the ways that Santa Clara has changed since that time, as well as the best and most challenging parts of her job what changes she hopes for at Santa Clara in terms of working together to amplify student voices. She briefly touches on the decision to allow the student organization turning point to start at Santa Clara, which was recently in the headlines, as well as the difficulties with alcohol use in the student body. That's all I've got for an introduction. So we'll roll the conversation. And as always, thanks for listening. So I'm excited to be here today with the uh, vice provost of student life, Jenny Rosenberger. So thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Um, So I would love to start out by asking, um, you now deal with so many student programs in college, so you must have had uh, some good experiences in college, I hope, as well. So I was wondering if there's any stories or experiences that you kind of remember vividly from your time in college.
1: I do. So I grew up in Portland. And when I was looking at colleges, I had a brother who was at Gonzaga and I had a brother who was at Southern Oregon. And so those were two of the places I was looking at, you know, in terms of my college search. I ended up at Gonzaga and had the opportunity through my brother's connection to work in the Dean of Students Office as my work-study job. And that exposed me to all kinds of opportunities that I don't know that I would have explored on my own, just sort of as a first-year student. Um, so that was my job, like my my on-campus job. But it worked, um, I worked in, so it was the Dean of Students in Housing, um, that opened up lots of opportunities. So I got involved with student government. I got involved, eventually was an RA, and then I had the opportunity to work on. they had a grant through the state of Washington um, that looked at alcohol awareness and um, they needed a student to coordinate some programs for the campus. So I was selected to do that. And I think all of those opportunities, those doors opened because of my first sort of work study job. But that also led me to figure out that I didn't want to be a business major, so I switched majors from being an accountant, accounting major as a first-year student, and ended up with um, graduating um, with a with my degree in speech communications. Mm-hmm. Because of those opportunities and the people I met, they encouraged me to think about go about going back to school or staying in school, mm-hmm. and then that led me to going and getting my my masters in, in higher ed administration. So some of it for me in terms of my experience, I think my experience at Gonzaga was enriched because I had lots of exposure to how the university was organized, who to talk to when I had questions, how to connect students um, to different resources. And that felt really great. And 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 then I had then I learned that I had the opportunity I could I could actually do that for a mm-hmm. living. Um, so that's that's kinda how kind of how I made my way through.
0: Mm -hmm. And how'd you end up at Santa Clara?
1: Oh, okay. That's a great story. So my junior year of college, I spent spring break um, both interviewing and researching programs, higher ed programs for the year after I graduated. And I worked with the student life folks at Gonzaga at the time had gone to a whole host of programs. Master's programs across the country: Ohio State, Colorado State, Oregon State, Bowling Green, um, and so I I spent my spring break um, traveling and sort of checking those out. I settled on Bowling Green in Ohio in part because of the position that I was offered as a graduate student, mm-hmm. but also because I had a family there, so I could live with family and being being a little bit farther away. Mm-hmm. I finished the program and I was interning at a conference, a professional conference, and I came across a position at Santa Clara for um, one year to cover maternity leave um, in the student activity, what had been the student activities office. So I interviewed for it mm-hmm. and then I got the job. And so I came to Santa Clara in 86 for one year while while they were, what you know, to fill this vacancy. Mm-hmm. And then the, the woman whose place I took became a very great friend and colleague. She came back, and then I had to find a new job. So I mm-hmm. left and went to Cal State Northridge. I was down there for five years, mm-hmm. and then but I st- stayed in touch with everybody at Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, in 91, came back, and I've been here ever since. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what types of things... Uh, Maybe if a student were to go back to that time at Santa Clara, what would they be like surprised about? Think? Or has it changed in any major It's
1: changed moments? a lot. Um, I mean, funny things like there used to be a road. The, the El Camino mm-hmm. used to run between Benson and now the Learning Commons, mm-hmm. but what used to be a Rodri Library. And you literally would take your life in your hands, crossing the street between going to the library and Benson. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, I don't remember exactly what year, but once the university worked with the city to close the El Camino and, or to reroute it, we went into a drought. California was in a drought at that point. So then they couldn't do any landscaping. So literally once they closed the road for I don't know how many years, mm-hmm. it was still a street. It was still concrete and pavement, but there were no cars. So while it connected the campus, mm-hmm. it um, it it wasn't sort of beautiful like, like it mm-hmm. is now and, and like that. The other is students didn't have class on Wednesdays. And so um, it was a four-day week, which um, changed sort of the social scene yeah. quite dramatically, you might imagine, be- before it came back. And again, I'm not exactly remembering when we went to a five-day. But that that was different. I don't know, little things. Like there used to be a pool when Graham, mm-hmm. the old Graham, used to be four two-story buildings. Mm-hmm. And there was a pool in the middle. And so the Graham pool was quite um, an attractive social scene.
0: And then a little bit more about your job now, I guess. So how, how do you think about students balancing all their extracurricular yeah. involvements with like, in-class uh, yeah. school material? Because obviously, you know, people are here to study, but do, do you think students ever focus too much on that and don't get involved in that? Or...
1: Well, I think it's two things. One of the things I would say, a significant change in my time here working with students is Students would used to come, you know, they'd come to Santa Clara, they'd see all of these opportunities, and they might select something that they were really passionate about, and really focus on that. That might be student government, it might be being a, an RA or a CF, um, it might be working with the radio station. But they, a lot of students would pick one, maybe two things to do, and that really sort of defined their time here. Now, you know, students are doing twenty-five things. Internships, student involvement—you know, going to class. Some of them are also working, and and they essentially are filling every moment of of their time. And that's not a criticism as much as it is an observation. But it's like they don't know better. They socialize to stay busy. I think students sometimes are challenged. By not being able to say no, mm-hmm. so everything seems possible. It's like, well, I must do everything, and then there's a layer of competition, I think, too, mm-hmm. or, or you know, working on your resume or getting yourself, you know, set for life after Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've seen students so much withdrawn or pulling back and not engaging or not participating. Um, if anything i think a lot of them are maybe doing more than might be reasonable in order for them to really reflect and take a, a deep breath to say wow i'm having this awesome experience i have great classes i have wonderful faculty i might have an internship i've got really good friends and and being somehow satisfied that's that that's enough and that i think that there is this there's this constant sense of i can do more i can be more somehow mm-hmm. that that's better, more is better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worry, and yeah. then I also worry about students, I mean obviously some students are challenged with sort of mental health mm-hmm. challenges, um, and I think in some cases um, that could be compounded by this sense of, am I doing enough mm-hmm. relative to the person who's sitting next to me or who lives next door to me? or. Definitely try new things, but you don't have to try everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, pick one or two things and kind of, I don't know. Yeah,
0: Yeah. do you you think that's a problem that students are
1: over-involved? I don't know a problem. I definitely think it provides a different type of challenge. I think that students manage, many students manage well and figure out, they know themselves well enough to know what they need to do to be successful in class. Where I fear is this is the maybe the only four years where young people really can pause and, and really think deeply and critically about who they are, who they want to be, become, what experiences they want to have, how they want to be in relationship with other people. And when you're busy and you're totally programmed, you don't have as much time to just sit back and think, wow, I had this awesome conversation that I wouldn't have otherwise had if I hadn't sat down next to this person or asked a question or been curious um, or tried something new, you know. So it's hard to say that it's a problem, but I, I see it as a difference and I almost feel like it's a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, I I wrote down one of the the goals of the Division of Student Life and it said to be the leader among Jesuit institutions in providing targeted transformative experiences for first and second year undergraduate students. So I'm wondering kind of what are those targeted transformative experiences Mm -hmm. and have I experienced any of them? um, Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) that's a great question and and as you you read it, you, you would recognize it's very aspirational and, and Santa Clara enjoys a very high retention rate from first to second year. We don't retain every student, but we retain many students. And I think that many students report that they're having an excellent experience. Mm-hmm. So when we think about wanting to be the best at providing these transformative experiences, it really is about how do we bring students into the RLC experience, regardless of which RLC you're placed in or you've selected to To have a very well round, it's so a really great academic experience. Exposure to excellent faculty, opportunities with for study groups or for experiences with your peers, but having that connected to then some choices you might make outside of the classroom. You might choose to you know stay fit and to use MALI or to have um, participate in intramurals or to seek an internship or an on campus job, and and really it's wanting to make sure that those opportunities are available. A and B that students know how to access them and understand that again you don't have to choose everything, but figure as you're trying to figure out your major, for example, you might seek an internship or an on campus job that tests your skill level or interest in working directly with people mm-hmm. versus directly with things or directly with, you know, technology, whatever it happens to be. Because I think we think about the first and second year experience as opportunities to test both what you know about yourself, but also take some risks and try some things that aren't going to negatively impact you in any way. So you're not going to get behind in your studies or um, if you wait to declare a major because you want to have a new experience. So I think some of the things that we do related to that, I think, are anchored in the RLC program. Some of them we like to use the orientation program to introduce students both to some conversations around diversity or some um, information around things, you know, alcohol or substance use or dating violence or how to access resources if you're feeling like you or your roommate or your classmate needs some additional support. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in our perfect world and, and, and an area where I feel like we need to focus more resources to meet that goal is we hear increasingly about some really, really positive first-year experiences. But the transition, as students are transitioning from the first year, where we fed a lot of information, a lot of resources, connected students very directly with advisors and faculty and student support services, that sometimes that sophomore year when you come back, that maybe there's this need or opportunity for almost a reorientation. Okay, I've got a year under my belt. Mm -hmm. what should I be thinking about? What are those milestone experiences that should happen in my fourth, fifth, and sixth quarter Mm -hmm. that continue me on a path of of academic and personal success? Mm -hmm. So that's probably where, as we're thinking about that lofty goal, Mm -hmm. um, where we're trying to understand better, how do we we better support sophomores? Mm
0: -hmm. Are there any programs or opportunities that, you feel like students don't really know about or that you wish kind of more people took advantage
1: of? Well, it's interesting to me the number of times I hear students like, I, ne- I didn't know, I'll use mm-hmm. I'll use cowl or caps, whether it's mm-hmm. you've got the flu or you've got a cold or you are feeling sad or lonely or depressed. Um, the number of times we try to introduce that into first the orientation program or welcome weekend or through the RA program or CF programs or, and then you have students like, well, I didn't know. I didn't know I could get counseling on campus or I didn't know there was a doctor here Monday through Friday or nobody, kind of nobody told me, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And it's like, well, we put the information out there. You may not have connected with it or at the time it may not have, it might have been the last thing on your Mm -hmm. mind, like, but but that's one of the things. I think Mm -hmm. if we could figure out What is the mechanism that students will listen or read? Mm -hmm. It's not email. I clearly know that. (laughs) We do get some response for when we post things on the back of the stalls, the toilet stalls Mm -hmm. and the bathroom stalls. We do a wellness newsletter. We do some announcements. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to know with social media. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a one-size-fits-some, whether that's a text or whether that's an email or whether... It's a poster. I used to think, well, nobody reads posters anymore. But then someone will say, "Hey, I saw this flyer or poster for this event." It's like, well, maybe they're coming back.
0: Yeah. So you have you have so many different divisions under you. I guess does any one of them take up more of your time than <laughs> others? Because there's what there's the career centers, campus recreation, residence life, counseling. You mentioned. Yes. Yeah.
1: Maybe I'll give you my top three at uh-huh. the moment. I mean, I'll just say for the for this moment. Always in the back of my mind at this moment, I think, are physical and mental health. And that's Mm -hmm. everything from students' use or abuse of alcohol and other drugs, uh, issues of mental health in terms of of sadness, loneliness, depression, anxiety, and making sure we have the right resources and enough resources to address that. So I think that's kind of the Mm -hmm. ever-present. The other two areas right now is we really hope students understand the direct connection between nutrition, exercise and wellness, and academic success. And so the campus recreation has only been part of our division for, this is only the second year, they used to be um, with athletics. In organizing campus recreation under the division of student life, it really is to help expose the fabulous opportunities through campus recreation. A challenge with that is we only have two staff total in campus recreation, and usually between 1,300 and 1,400 students a day using just the Mally Center. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't include the pool, intramurals, club sports, fitness classes, summer camp, all the other ways students can be involved. So a lot of my attention of late in a very positive way is trying to get the message out about what a gold mine it is in terms of an asset mm-hmm. for the campus, and then trying to drum up interest in developing more resources to, mm-hmm. to go that direction. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we've seen some success. The new weight room equipment that was replaced in December was a result of a grant. Um, and then we have the new functional fitness outside mm-hmm. the backside of the library, and then the new um, volleyball, sand volleyball. So some of it is trying to enhance the campus in different ways Mm -hmm. that promote campus recreation and that whole notion of wellness. Then the third area, and it's both an opportunity, it's the tension between being an opportunity and challenges. The Career Center is bursting at the seams with interest in employers coming to campus and wanting to hire our students and meet with our students Mm -hmm. and get the word out about their company. I think yesterday we heard that there was something like 457 employers hired at least one Santa Clara student from last year's class. I mean, some, the interest in Santa Clara graduates is exploding and that's that bodes very well for our students. The challenge is our physical space, I mean, the Career Center physically hasn't grown, but we just um, expanded for this year over into Loyola Hall to do some big programs. Um, But the staff hasn't expanded either. And so as they think about the future of work, Mm -hmm. and the future of work is not, and how students prepare for the future of work isn't necessarily one-on-one counseling with a career counselor. Mm -hmm. It really is a completely different way of thinking about career and life and work. Um, We have a fabulous but very small staff in helping us think about how do we maximize this moment for Santa Clara and our rich location in Silicon Valley to provide the best opportunities for engagement with, with students and employers. So, those three, for very different reasons, are, are sort of yeah. top of mind.
0: Mm-hmm. What lessons have you learned about leadership in your
1: time here? Yeah. I guess a couple of things, and they're not, none of them are original. But one is you hire really good people. You surround yourself by excellent talent. So, to a person in the director roles and 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 the, all the support roles, we have an excellent staff. They're here because they're deeply committed to the mission and to the work that whether it's in the career center or recreation or the center for student involvement or the office of student life. They're here because they want to be, and they're here with an understanding of what the, the privilege of accompanying students through this experience. So I don't take that for granted. And I think we work really hard to, to attract and retain excellent talent. That's one thing. I think for me, a lot of my time is removing the barriers for success, whether that's students mm-hmm. or the staff. They're wanting to do something great, but they don't have, they need help. They need a little more funding. They need a little more support. They need something. And and so for me, I see my role as removing those barriers and, and telling the, the great story of the work so that when the moment presents itself, like this recent grant um, for Mali, we have a great story to tell. And then that converts to something that's beneficial mm-hmm. for the campus. Some of my best experiences in my time here has been working with students to develop programs that now you have you're the beneficiary of so when we started the EMT program Mm -hmm. it was two students and they came and said pitch we want to start an EMT program and we're like really I think that's kind of a crazy thing but look at us now Mm -hmm. you know we we just celebrated their milestone and we've got 40 plus EMTs and and same thing the Rough Riders started the Rough Riders as you know it started with some students who were involved in student government saying, hey, we want to do a spirit club for student athletes. And now it's, you know, one of the largest Mm. student organizations. Into the wild, this group of students came to us and said, we have this great idea of exposing students who aren't from the Bay Area and this to all the awesome things. Like, so they started as an RSO. And Mm -hmm. at two different moments, they came forward and said, we want to be a CSO, a chartered organization. It's kind of the big, big step. And the first time... We had a really long, hard conversation, and they weren't quite ready, and they recognized that. So they waited a year, put a few things in place, and when they came and said, we're ready, we want the university to consider us the ninth chartered organization, it it was like a no-brainer, it was like, and they've they've enjoyed significant success and growth, because what's not to like? I mean, Mm -hmm. they they do such excellent work. So when I think about the best parts of my job, Mm So I talk a lot to new staff or to students about students' support, what they help create. So for me, how do I work with students to create something to make Santa Clara better? Mm -hmm. I never assume the staff know better. So we Mm -hmm. always will go to students and say, twice this week, um, I met with groups of students. One, they want to do, we do these pop-up parks, so Mm -hmm. the chess set or the stuff that we're doing over with the Connect Four and Mm -hmm. all that stuff over by by, uh, uh, done. They want to do a project where we get plain Adirondack chairs, comfortable outdoor chairs, but we without anything, and then do a competition for student artists to design them. And then we they would pitch their design, we would actually let them paint them on campus, provide all the supplies, and then once they're ready, then we'd put them at various in clusters, you know, around the fountain or outside or something like that. And that was a project that came from students. So for me it's like they're like, well, you know, it costs a little bit. And it's like, what a great opportunity to expose our student artists mm-hmm. and to really think about, I mean, at the end of the day, they want to make Santa Clara better. It's mm-hmm. like, well, that's a great thing to support. The other group wants to do nat pods. They, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about, I guess it's Internship, that movie. Mm-hmm. They've done a student who did it for a class project, then he connected with student government. They've done some research. They've talked with the librarian to figure out, About some space and so they're like well how how might we proceed because we want to do a pilot of having these nap pods because students are so busy they don't always have a chance to go home and take a nap but Mm -hmm. you know so those are like some just wonderful parts of my work Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah
0: what are some of the more challenging parts of your job
1: yeah from the student experience part I think is the role that alcohol plays in Mm -hmm. our in the life of our students and and I say that because we do great things on campus. There's lots of activities and like that. We don't have like some college towns a downtown. Mm-hmm. You can't you know, you can't walk three blocks at eight thirty at night and pretty much find anything open. Mm-hmm. Starbucks closes, you know, there aren't there aren't destinations for students. And so oftentimes the alternative is I'll just go to whatever the party is in the neighborhood. I think if we had a more vibrant downtown, if we had better commerce or better um, nicely located alternatives that students, I trust they would maybe make different choices. But right now, I mean, there, there aren't a, a ton of yeah, large yeah. alternatives. Um, so I think that that's one thing. I mean, if I were to wave a magic wand, I would say, gosh, we develop, we work with the city and, and developers to develop much better within walking distance, options for students to do cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that that would help. Um, twice a day I get a campus safety update um, at the 12-hour at the shift changes, and it's it's sad and disappointing the number of times, you know, the report is that a student was transferred to the hospital because mm-hmm. they drank too much. And I just, there there's a lot behind those choices, but I feel like for our, some really concerted efforts we haven't really made, a lot of inroads in that Mm -hmm. and it's lots of things it's not just having good places to go to um there's lots of other things that contribute to that but there I think as the university grows Mm -hmm. not having a a town that's growing with us um Mm -hmm. is disappointing Mm
0: -hmm. yeah do do you feel like your job has gotten more difficult to, I guess, amplify student voices in the past year or two in the political climate, since there seems to be so
1: much yes. disagreement. Yes, there's that too. I think the the overlay of incivility, mm-hmm. you know, so the desire for civility, people are so impatient of listening and listening and being open to another point of view, and and it's people in general. I don't. I, this isn't just students because it happens. I think to everyone. We don't have great role models for civility right now, and I think again, social media does a lot of good, but it also creates um, lots of opportunities for miscommunication or misunderstanding or just bad information. I mean, for me, the the best thing is you know, you listen first to understand someone else's point of view, and then share your own point of view, and and that's a I think that's a skill that's that's not. Um, as present as, as it might need to be. So in my work, it, it's not a surprise, the controversy around the recognizing controversial student organizations. So when student government um, didn't approve Turning Point and there was that whole process and I, I overturned the decision, I, it, it, it wasn't an easy decision by any means. Um, and it was one that involved a lot of consultation with a lot of students to try to understand perspective, point of view, pros and cons. At the end of the day, I think as a university, I think we are a better university when we provide opportunities for differences of opinion to be shared in venues where it's safe to disagree. Mm -hmm. And we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. I hear regularly from students about experiences they have in the classroom sometimes outside of the classroom. Um, and it's polarizing and it's um, time, very time consuming. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and then my last uh, bigger question is what would you tell a first year student just just coming to Santa Clara? If you could have a couple minutes to just talk yeah. with yeah. the student. Yeah.
1: I think what I would tell them that first and foremost is to take risks. And by that I mean whatever their current Edge of their comfort zone to step a little bit beyond that, mm-hmm. because I think they will be exceedingly surprised. Mm-hmm. At one is how welcoming people will be in when they take that risk. But the second part is um, how many opportunities they'll be exposed to that they probably n- didn't have any idea. Mm-hmm. When new staff come, I always say, always say yes to an invitation mm-hmm. if you're available. Like mm-hmm. don't quali- don't upfront sort of make a decision so same thing to students if someone invites you to come to a meeting of a group that you may not have heard of or may not be particularly interested or to go to an athletic event that you've never even you know why go to a rugby or lacrosse or a you know water polo or something because every one of those not only exposes students to more students but also you know to a different part of the university Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about a prism and all of the different you know every all of the the images that are cast it's like Everybody is experiencing the same Santa Clara, but mm-hmm. through a very different set of experiences based on the choices that they're making. So, taking risks at personal risks, um, appropriate personal risks, I think is 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 probably my number one piece of advice. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, there's a couple smaller questions I would like to ask every person on the podcast. So, first of all, is there? Do you have any favorite places that you've traveled?
1: Yes. So. Venice, I must say, is um, one of my absolute favorite places. Yeah. Um, but I also, I had the opportunity to go to El Salvador, actually to go to the CASA mm-hmm. program in El Salvador. And after having heard year after year after year of the students coming back from the CASA program and just what a important and amazing experience that was, when I finally got to have that opportunity, that was amazing. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And Santa Clara's connection with the people of El Salvador, that... That sort of took on a whole new light for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read about it. We've had visitors here, you know, um, but but being in in El Salvador was was a big hmm. important important um, moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could send a message to every person in the United States, what would you want to say?
1: Be nice. <laughs> it's
0: funny how many people.
1: Yeah. Say. Or actually, I should say be kind. My mom. So. I'm one of ten kids, mm-hmm. so my mom just celebrated her ninety third birthday on Monday and I'm leaving tomorrow to go up to Portland mm-hmm. to celebrate that. If there was one thing from my entire life mm-hmm. um, what, the most vivid memory and you ask any of my siblings, her her advice as always was always be kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and first, it was be kind to your siblings because, you know, with that many, you know, didn't always agree on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I just think as simple as that is, I think that that's a message right now the world could mm-hmm. use. Mm-hmm.
0: And finally, what does an ideal Saturday look like?
1: <gasps> I'd be on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. With my husband. So mm-hmm. we love to golf. Um, we've been to some beautiful places in the country um, golfing. And so that's mm-hmm. my ideal. I'm outside. I'm with somebody I want to spend more time with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet great people, mm-hmm. you know, in our
0: travels. So, Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to do Absolutely. this interview.
1: Thank I, you. This was great.
0: I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. You can subscribe to Voices of Santa Clara on the iTunes podcast app. You can visit VoicesOfSantaClara.com for interview transcripts, and you can like the Facebook page. Special thanks to Miles Elliott for the music. Thank you for listening, and have a nice day.